This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast mini-sode special about the Star Wars. I'm Kara Shamborski, and I'm here with Renee Rodriguez. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Was... Hi, but oh my god, that was amazing. <laughs> that was the best intro I could have ever I like I knew you were gonna do it. <laughs> oh, that was that was pretty but hi. Yes, hey, we're I, here to talk about Star Wars and I'm excited. Basically what happened was Renee and I were talking about how great Star Wars is. Because we love Star Wars so much, and then we said, How can we turn a minisode into a conversation about Star Wars? And we're like, obviously we go back to the root of it all. We go back to the Star Wars. I actually think I was trying, originally I was trying to not argue with you about Star Wars on Twitter because you were having all these good thoughts. And I was like, Kara, I want to have a conversation <laughs> about Star Wars. We just need to like hash all this out. So the comic that, the comic that we chose to read is The Star Wars, which Dark Horse published, I think, two years ago. And it is a comic that is based on the original rough draft screenplay by George Lucas. And it is a hot mess. Yes. Wow. And it is, it is a, it was adapted by JW Rinsler with art by Mike Mayhew. And I think we should be able to agree, if nothing else, that Mike Mayhew's art is pretty cool. Oh, the art is great. And I, having not read the original rough draft of the script, I can assume that Rinsler's adaptation is fairly admirable so when i say that this is a hot mess i'm trying to say that george lucas was a hot mess when he did this original screenplay who approved this who in hollywood looked at this and said yes well actually i would would like to point out that this is the first rough draft which means this is not something that people saw because they clearly didn't send it in because also george lucas what was jw rinsler wanted to he was like dude i saw this can i adapt this and george goes Hell no. <laughs> and then, like, he, our, he he kept, like, working on it behind the scenes. And then he was like, hey, look at these things that we've drawn up, George. And he goes, all right, fine. Fuck it. <laughs> He's like, fine, you can do it. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> so, so the fascinating thing about the Star Wars is it's, like, I I started reading this. And within, like, the first page, it was just, like, being in this weird parallel universe like this is a path that star wars could have taken and mercifully didn't yeah it was just such a strange surreal feeling to see so many familiar character and place names in completely different contexts with different designs or personalities or even species yeah so it's like it's like watching all the sci-fi movies that tried to be star wars but it's the birth of Star Wars. Yes, it's so fascinating. If you're a Star Wars fan in general, it's like it's worth a read if only so you can like thank all the people who tempered Lucas's original vision into what it became. But it's just let's see. You know, I, do, I, I don't I don't even I think know where that's to begin. a point in Lucas's corner actually. The fact that so many people were like yeah, we should change this, or they like kept attacking him with these ideas, and then he was like, yeah, okay. So I think that's a point in his corner that he relented on a lot of ideas to like leave things, or to change things. 
I suppose that's true. So where do I start with this comic? I think that I want to start with this comic with uh, General Skywalker. Or is it General Starkiller? Which is the one with the sons and which is the one who's on Alderaan? Or not Alderaan. The place pretending to be Alderaan. So Kane Starkiller (laughs) is the father of Anakin Starkiller. And Anakin Starkiller is the hero of the story. And Luke Skywalker is the Jedi Bendu master because the Jedi aren't just called the Jedi. They were the Jedi Bendu and they served the emperor for about a hundred thousand years before he went all crazy. And then the Sith people came in. So let's do like a super brief overview for people who cannot or refuse to read this, which I sympathize with (laughs) you. Um, Super brief overview, the star Wars Um, is essentially like the plot of A New Hope immediately followed by parts of The Last Jedi, except someone rewrote all of the characters and added a bunch of new ones, and some of the planets are different. That's like basically what is happening. Um, Okay, I was like, I've seen all of that, and I didn't even track that. What? Yeah, that well, because you know, okay, so it starts with um, it's it's episode four twice. Yeah, but of. sort of. But everyone's <laughs> different. Like right, everyone's different. There's additional characters. Vader Han Solo's is an alien. Human. The droids talk. Uh, yeah, R two D two talks and is like kind of lame. Chewbacca shows up like in the last like eighth of the of the comic. Well, that's why I'm saying it's kind of like Return of the Jedi, because that's totally the Ewok thing. You didn't say Return of the Jedi, you said Last Jedi. Oh my god. That's why I I was so lost. I meant Return of the Jedi, I'm so sorry. This is original trilogy, there's nothing in the new trilogy speaks to this book. Okay, because um, I was like, I was like, what? Where are you I'm, going with this? <laughs> oh my god, I'm so sorry. You're so right. Okay, yes, Return of the Jedi. Too many Jedi. I just want uh, that on record that Kara said that I was right because that will probably be the only time that this will ever happen in the history of ever. Accurate. So marking it at six twenty nine. <laughs> so okay. Um, so the like when Chewbacca shows up, he's and his people are essentially like the Ewoks from Return of the Jedi, and they're fulfilling that function of the primitive species taking on the Empire with the added bonus of their learning how to pilot Starcraft for an assault on the final battle station, which, wow, and also kind of amazing. Um, yeah, so also, they, Han Solo uh, is not I don't know if we said this, he's an alien, and he used to hunt Wookiees. Yes, we, sh- we should emphasize the alienness. He looks kind of like Swamp Thing without the swamp bits. Oh, I kind of thought he was like the original like lizard from Spider-Man. Kind of, yeah. But you know, and, I see I see the swamp thing, especially because of the red eyes. Yeah, no, yeah, that, yeah, it's definitely like, more accurate. Totally got a swamp thing vibe. Um, so let's see where to begin. Um, I want to begin with General Luke Skywalker of the Jedi Bendu, looking like a hot version of George Lucas, and making me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> like. Whoa, that's <laughs> just like I couldn't, I couldn't deal with that whole concept. Every time he was on a panel, I just like could not. I never <laughs> so, saw that until just now. He's it's it's totally like hot George Lucas. He's, he's still hot got George Lucas. It's hot George Lucas. He's got the white hair. He's got the beard. He's got the crown thing. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just like de- he's just 
de-lined, you know? Oh, um, God. <laughs> um, okay, so they go... So basically, um, we start with Starkiller, first name thing. Um, Starkiller taking his son, who survives an attack by a Sith, to the planet that's not Alderaan, but for our purposes, we'll say it's Alderaan, um, in order to save the resistance version in this book. Well, because there there is an Alderaan, isn't there? Yeah, there's an Alderaan, but it's like the Coruscant. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is, they they start on Utapah instead of Tatooine, but Utapah is essentially Tatooine. And they end up at Yavin at some point, but it's not Yavin. It's like Endor. Yeah, and the and the planet that is Alderaan, but not Alderaan. It's it's Aquilae, by the way. Thank you. Who like I I don't know like uh, it's weird, but at the same time, like I'm totally okay with it. It's just like like I said, it's like a it's like a parallel universe. Like this is what it's like to see a parallel universe. It's like things are just wrong enough where you know it's not what you know but there's enough familiar stuff where you're like but is it what I don't know um so I think my main issue with this book this interpretation is Princess Leia because she is my heart and soul and in this she's like we meet her when she is being sent off to boarding school and like almost immediately after she gets sent away, the Empire is going to attack and they need to like save her because she's of this royal line, like Aquilian royal line, where like the people will follow the royals and no other. So the Empire needs her on their side to like run things. Yeah, they're basically so, going to have her be a puppet. Yeah. yeah. So Anakin Starkiller, young punk that he is, gets go and sent to rescue her and she refuses to come so he punches her and like that's their meet cute and i was like really yeah this is the love story that you're setting up and you're starting with domestic violence i thought it was weird that he shouts that he loves her i don't even remember who he shouts it at but like he's he's like oh i'm in love with her and i'm like oh you're doing a shitty way of showing it man right right so that's like the only thing cool about you is your jacket like the end game of this of this story of the meeting is like they realize that they love one another but it's just like so rushed with none of the or like organic buildup or chemistry that marked the Leia Han relationship in the Star Wars original trilogy so it's like he rescues her he brings her, her back and then they're like bopping around the galaxy trying to figure out what to do and rescuing various people and like meeting up with the Ewoks and they interact like kind of minimally and her twin younger brothers are along for the ride and they're trying to save them too and then like randomly in like the hold of the ship that they're in at one point she's just like I love you and he's like no you don't go away and then like two seconds later he's like complaining to this friend like you mentioned he's like I do love her and he's like, why are you telling me this? Go tell her. And it's just like, so dumb. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, it's truly dumb. Which I, I think is, is I don't know how much of it. I really want to read the rough draft now because I want to know how much of it is them translating it or like adapting it really fast mm-hmm. or like how bad that first draft is. Because like, I'm just, first drafts are awful. Everyone knows it. 
first yes. drafts are terrible. And there's probably a reason that George Lucas was like, hell no, please do not adapt this. This is god awful. Mm-hmm. But I want to uh, know. I want to know. I want to see how much was an adaptation how and how like strict to it. Because clearly there are bits of it that the artist and the um, writer whose name I can't remember. Uh, Rinsler. Jonathan, yeah, Rinsler. Like they clearly, like they gave Anakin Starkill, they gave them Luke's gold jacket from the end of episode four. Oh yeah, there's and, there's tons of visual nods to the series that we know and love. Yeah, like you said, um, hot George Lucas. Yes, <laughs> which is a little meta, but okay, we'll work with it. Um, can we talk about the bad guys? Because that was the part where I was like, whoa. Um, so the emperor in this, you meet him like right away and he's just like average politician who just happens to be the emperor, I guess. Yeah. And Vader is some dude with a fade and like one eye and you could totally see his whole face and he's got like no narrative significance and it's yeah. like kind of sad. He's just and- the Sith guy because they, they also gave the whole like his father is a robot thing. They gave that to Kane's star killer. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there's Prince Valorum, who's a Sith. And Valorum, I was just like, you know, I think Chancellor Valorum from episode one being the dude who gets voted in like no confidence in the Senate. And I'm already falling asleep saying that sentence because my God, that plot. And it's just like, so Prince Valorum is a Sith and he ends up fighting alongside Anakin Starkiller because they just kind of like shrug and decide to team up at one point because like our clans have been warring for centuries, but this suits us better now. And I'm like, what? Like, just like picture for a minute, Darth Maul and Obi-Wan Kenobi in episode one deciding like, you know what? Let's just like team up against these battle droids and do something different. Like, no. Well, I think I think Valorum hired Han Solo or something. Like Solo's the pilot of Valorum's ship. And then Solo and Kane are friends. And so then Anakin and Valorum are like friends? Yeah, alright. Like because so we're I, friends now? Yeah, we're friends because someone else that we know is friends and we just you know, happenstance. Oh man, I, I totally missed that because I definitely reached a point where the with this book where I was like, I cannot. And there was just a lot happening. Like I think like as a comic, they're mostly there's a good flow and I could follow what's going on. Um, but I do think that especially in some of the action sequences, I just got kind of lost. Yeah. You you read it all in one go, right? Like yeah. did, it was like a trade or something like that? Yeah, I've got like this deluxe hardcover trade that has some really cool uh, development of sketches in the back. Okay, because when I originally read it, I got the single issues because I had heard that this was happening. And I was like, yup, sold. Give me the Star Wars. All of it. And I was like, original rough draft, film nerd inside me screamed. Star Wars nerd (laughs) inside me screamed. It was just a lot. And then I screamed out loud and my uh, comic book guy was like, why are you yelling at me? And I was like, put it down already. Um, so I got the issues slowly. And so I guess that was, that kind of helped for like a break, but at the same time, like going back into it, I was like, wait, what was happening? And then I'd have to reread them all again just to be like, cause I remember missing. I was like, wait, when did Anakin ever show that he had feelings for Leia? What? Yep. And even on a second read through, it's still kind of clunky and things like that. And 
I, but but at the same time, like it's adapted off of a rough draft, so I mm-hmm. kind of accept that. I accepted that the story is not going to be great. Yeah, but like it's but like you said, it's really interesting to see like like it's a different dimension. Like I I almost imagine it's kind of what reading uh, Steel Ball Run is going to be like for going for manga fans who read JoJo's Bizarre Adventure because they actually do a dimension shift in that, but. I just realized that mm-hmm. Kara will have no idea what I'm talking about. But it's weird. Actual dimension shift in a story, and I imagine that that's what that's like for and, this. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier about how the designs of some of the characters and the settings in this comic did reflect the Star Wars universe that we know and love. And I'm looking at the the back matter of this trade, and they actually say something about that they say um even with an entire team of designers at our disposal the majority of the work fell to interior artist mike mayhew out of necessity to meet our schedule mike had to begin drawing the first issue before any of the other designers had put pencil to paper and along the way we discovered dozens of devices and locations that had never been depicted all told, realizing this series was a massive effort, but then Mike and the team were only designing an entire galaxy. So basically, they were behind schedule before they started, and Mike Mayhew was, they were basically just like, do the thing, and he had to like go and do the thing. So, like, knowing that at the end, it made sense to me looking back on like how some, like, the whole thing is visually stunning, but there are definitely some parts that like, the pacing's weird or it feels a little rushed and I can totally see why if they were like trying to fit this whole thing in a specific number of issues with like one designer doing the brunt of the work. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That sounds, that sounds awful. Like good on Mike Mayhew for actually turning out the stunning book that it is. Cause it's visually beautiful. Like even if the story is whack, I would say at least like, at least go to the library and see if they have it to check it out. Just, because of the art is really good oh and also shout out to rain barreto for the colors because wow oh my god yes oh yeah especially those that blaster fire Mm-hmm. yeah the coloring in this book is really exceptional and it does help there there is like a three-dimensionality to it in a lot of scenes where it does help you kind of piece apart what is happening how have we not mentioned the stormtroopers with lightsabers yet because that's a thing yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we didn't really jump. <laughs> like, how was that not the first thing I said? By the way, everyone has a lightsaber. It's like no big deal. <laughs> you get a lightsaber and you get a lightsaber. You all get lightsabers. I'm really glad you did that because I was about to, but I couldn't stop <laughs> laughing at just the outrageousness of it. But everyone yeah. gets a lightsaber and they're all red. So it's kind yeah. of like... It's kind of like in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, how the first like dozen or so issues, all the turtles had the same like mask color. So you couldn't tell them apart unless you could see their weapons. Right. I kind of took it as like the reason that they all had it was because, I mean, Star Wars is especially supposed to be samurai in space. So, I mean, everyone in feudal Japan had swords. Why wouldn't everyone in space have a red lightsaber? You know what? I buy that. I do buy that. I'm glad they kind of like made it more Jedi centric in the films, just in terms of like 
it being an easy visual marker and they're supposedly films for children. But I do also like how in the more recent films, they got more into like, anyone can hold a lightsaber, but you kind of need the force to like not chop your own arm off while you're doing it. Right. Yeah. That's a thing. So, yeah. I don't um, know. <laughs> this, this, the lightsaber thing gets into a weird conversation with me about the lightsabers because I have so many questions. Although I did appreciate the fact that in The Last Jedi, they showed the use of Kylo's stupid hilt thing. Yes. Right. Like, like, he stabbed someone in the eye, and I was like, you know, I actually clapped in the theater. I was like, all right, <laughs> I'll give you that. Good for you. You done prove it. Although, Kylo, bro, use two hands. <laughs> he's throwing that thing around like a claymore, but he's doing it one-handed. Use both hands, and you're going to have an easier time. Okay, actually, you know what? I, yeah, you know, I was confused earlier, and I said last jedi instead of return of the jedi but there is an element of last jedi on this because there is a jedi sith team up even though yes okay technically kylo ren is not a sith he's a knight of ren and technically ray is not a jedi she's a padawan except she's not a padawan but it's like the same concept it happened it happened in both things i was kind of right you were mostly right but i was kind of right all right reaching but i'll give it to you thank you Really try to defend my honor here, okay? Oh, yeah, like 20 minutes later, like after the fact. Listen, I just got home from work. It's been a long day. I've been looking forward to talking about this for like a week and a half, except I had laryngitis and physically couldn't. Like the force is strong with me today. Please let me have this moment. All right. I, I guess done. <laughs> who, who am I to take a moment away from Kara? Thank you. So in... In this book, I want to go back to the part with the Wookiees. Um, because also, they don't really look like Wookiees. They're like the fur is there and the tree dweller thing is there, I guess, if we're taking the Star Wars Christmas special in as canon. And um, they've just got like wider eyes and more like bat like ears, I guess. They freak me out, is what they do, you know. Like, I yeah. saw them and I was like, you know, I'm really glad that they went with the Ewoks and the Wookiees in a different way. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, so, I, so they they're, show up. They're, they're flying ships later. And then I'm like, I don't need that in my nightmares. <laughs> so they got the Wookiees on this planet essentially looking like they're living in the Ewoks situation. And in one of these huts is Owen and Baru Lars. Like, not related to anyone, just two humans casually hanging out on this planet that's like all Wookiees and some Imperial outposts. And they're just like, yeah, sure, we can guard your prince and princesses while you fight this war. And I'm like, who are you? Who sent you? What are your credentials? Are they literally trusting you just because you look like them? Racism in space. (laughs) If we're going to talk about racism in space, uh, can we talk about the fact that the Last Jedi basically paired Rose and Finn together so that the two white people with the Force can get together. How is that not racism? I did not like that pairing at all because it felt inorganic and I am a Poe-Finn shipper until the day I die. So. It also came out of nowhere. And also, it makes no sense for... Uh, uh, first of all, here's one thing that I didn't understand that apparently there's a lot of hate against Rose, which I don't understand because she's a great character. I love she her. Was she awesome. was amazing. Honestly, Finn is the one that sucks, but we'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> Rose is a strong character who believes wholeheartedly in the Resistance 
mm-hmm. the thing is, it would make more sense for Rose to attack the ship than for Finn to, although I think that Rose would have actually finished it because, again, Finn kind of sucks, and he would not have crashed into her to make her stop. But, whatever. Yeah, it did, you know what, it did, um, the whole, like, all of a sudden she kisses him, I guess we could chalk it up to, like, battlefield adrenaline or something, and it wasn't really reciprocal, he just just kind of looking at her like, I literally almost just died, what just happened? Um, Yeah, but but then later they do the thing where he's looking at her while she's, like, passed out and his hand's on it, and then Ray's like, ah, good for him, and I'm like, okay, Ryan Johnson, I see you, Okay, except, um... Let's let's uh let's return to a moment to the canon fact that while Finn was unconscious, Poe mended the jacket that he loaned him in the part where Kylo Ren's cross guard like bit through his shoulder, which also made a hole in the jacket. And you see in Last Jedi that it's patched up because according to the DK Star Wars Last Jedi Visual Dictionary. Poe patched up that hole in the jacket as quote-unquote a mark of friendship but we all know what that's a euphemism for so I'm just saying like you can have your your like momentary gazes across the room or whatever but if someone like mends your clothing for you that they also gave to you while like biting their lip and looking at you that's something else (laughs) I mean sure I'm yeah okay I'm I'm good with I'm good with all of that thank you I'm that's fine but I just would like to also mention that Poe is also a minority and that they're just pairing off the minorities so that there's no, you know, not with the whites. I subtle, think they might be racism. going towards, I actually think they're going towards a Poe Ray thing for the third movie in the trilogy. Cause like, that would be th- weird. That would make I, no well, sense. They I just know. met. I know, I know. They just met, but they like had that like, they're like meet cute was just like basic and cute. And I assume that they're going to make the third movie set like a few months or a year later um, to as like a, a barrier to kind of give them room to grow the resistance a little bit more again. I honestly, to, like, I honestly have no expectations for the third movie. I'm going to see it and I'm going to, yeah. I'm going into it with the same feeling that I had with the last Jedi where I'm not expecting anything. And really all I want is to not be mad when I walk out. And it worked with so, The Last Jedi, so I hope it works with whatever's coming next. I just love Star Wars so much that I'll see anything, read anything that they make about it. Um, like, I literally just finished listening to the Phasma audiobook today. <laughs> and I have so many thoughts. But um, I mean, I wanted, of- I wanted more Phasma. I wanted, I wanted so much more, and I got so little in The Last Jedi that I... I it got to the point where they had Finn and Phasma's fight was happening. And I was like, I feel like, like there should be this great big tension and this really hyped up moment that should, that I should be feeling. And I'm, I'm not feeling yeah. it for some reason. So, okay. So having just listened to the audiobook, they go into her backstory and they basically like hammer home a lot. The whole, she's out for her own gain. She'll do anything to like survive she'll kill anyone to advance she's a ruthless person who turns stormtroopers into killers she's in charge of like the teen training program essentially okay so there should have been you're right there should have been that moment where finn even if it was just like a moment where he talks about like them programming him to be a killer and it's like all phasma's doing and that would have 
yeah, that would have given that confrontation a little more weight. But this, so this book about her basically goes into like how much of a badass she is and how she's taken down like everyone. She even murdered um, Armitage Hux's dad who used to run the program. And then she like falls down a hole and dies in the grand tradition of all Star Wars villains who fall down a big hole and die. I mean, Except for Darth Maul because they brought him back, but that's yeah. in the Clone Wars, so. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, and this is really funny that you brought up Armitage Hux, because where did we learn his first name? Not in the movies. Not in the movies. And Domino no. Gleason admitted in an interview that an interviewer had to tell him what his first name was. <laughs> he didn't know. He was like, surely someone should be telling me that. And I was like, there Aww. you go. There you go. That's uh-huh. my whole problem with the new movies, in a nutshell. Uh, there was stuff in the original trilogy that like, I didn't know unless I looked it up. Like, Basically, all the background characters didn't really have names unless you saw the action figure trading card or something like that. But you're right. Like, a speaking character with that many lines... Well, you didn't know Tarkin's first name unless you read books about him, and then you find out it's Wilhuff, and you're like, well... That's the thing I now know. Also, I did not know that until just now. <laughs> I read the Tarkin novel that they came out with a couple of years ago. Is Mon Mothma's first name not Mon? I think Mon Mothma is her full name. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> I had I had the original trilogy visual dictionary growing up, and her name as of that point was definitely Mon Mothma. So if they've added to that since Disney acquired it, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. I just I know we're on for a really weird ride and I'm I'm going to see some of it. I'm not going to see all of it. Like I didn't see Rogue One. I'm not going to see Solo. But Oh, Rogue One was really good. That's what and I've like, heard. But it's I, it's really good. I think you'd like it. See, everyone says that. Everyone says, "Oh, you'll really like this." And then I never like what they tell me. Ever. Are, you're really going to hate it, Renee. You should go hate watch it. And <laughs> Here's find the thing, out. though, is that I, I literally, someone asked me, like, they're like, oh, do you know what it's about? And I told them the entire movie, and they were like, oh, so you have seen it. And I said, no, I could just tell you exactly what happens. So, I mean, I that was the whole reason that I didn't want to see it. I have no doubt that it's good. And actually, Xander is going to be really mad editing this because we've had this conversation so many times that he gets <laughs> really angry about it. Uh, because I'm like, oh, you know, I know what happens. I don't really need, I don't, it doesn't interest me to watch it. Not that I doubt oh. that it's bad. I just, it doesn't interest me. And I'm like, eh. Oh, see with stories, I really love the journey. Like, even if I know the ending, which with Rogue One, if you've seen the Star Wars original trilogy, you know how Rogue One ends. But for me, it's about the journey and the characters. And if the characters are interesting, I'm into it, which is why I have always loved Star Wars is because the characters have always been so compelling. And uh, Rogue One had really compelling characters for me. And they're, I think I cried like at one point, but mostly I was just like getting like shivers and goosebumps and stuff. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what Xander's argument as well. And the, and the thing is, and he's right, because I like Harry Potter because of the characters, because I honestly think the plot is kind of eh. But I love J.K. Rowling's writing. I love the characters and all that. And that's my reason for reading the books. And I totally get that. And it's just literally that I, I, for whatever reason, I have no interest to watch Rogue One. So unless like a bunch of my friends invite me over somewhere and then they're like, hey, we're watching Rogue One, 
that's probably the only way I'm going to see it, which is actually, ironically, the only way I saw Across the Universe. <laughs> and, whoa, that movie sucks. Whoa. But that's a, that's a conversation for another time. We should probably get back to this comic, though. No, I was, there, I was just looking at some of the um, art in the back from the development sketches, and I didn't even realize that there were hover tanks at one point. And so they designed, like, multiple versions of this hover tank and, like, loosely based it off of the hover tanks that we saw in Star Wars Episode One that the Trade Federation used on Naboo. And uh, they kind of make it clear in this back matter for this the Star Wars trade that the hover tanks are like a canon part of the original screenplay. So that's a part from this comic that ended up in the prequels. That's cool. Also, Valorum. Yes, you know. Valorum, you are correct. And um, I guess Anakin. Oh, also, we haven't mentioned they spell his name differently. Oh, yeah. It's like A-N-N-I-K-I-N. Yeah. Like it's just it's just different. It's like it's a just different. Yeah. Oh, oh, he has a man bun, like a half up man bun. So it's like, I don't know. And I don't know why, like, Qui-Gon Jinn having his hair half up in like a ponytail half up is fine. But like the man bun half up offends me. But the man bun half up offends me. Well, Qui-Gon Jinn's played by Liam Neeson and Anakin Starkiller is a little jerk. You know what? That's fair. Liam Neeson does lend a certain level of gravitas to any role that he's in, even if it is eccentric Jedi who makes horrible life decisions about small children. Right. <laughs> so. My my mom even says that her favorite Star Wars is Episode One because she likes Liam Neeson. Yeah, that's, you know what? That's fair. That's she fine. can't she can't remember Qui Gon's name, so she always thinks Liam Neeson is Obi Wan, which is really <laughs> funny. Um, my which, mom's a hoot and a half, in, so it's it's always fun to watch her watch Star which, Wars. In terms of character. It should have been that way. It would have made much more sense to have Obi-Wan be the reckless rule breaker and Qui-Gon Jinn be the rule follower who dies prematurely before he can train Anakin, leaving Obi-Wan saddled with this burden that he's clearly not equipped to handle. It would have made more sense if he was Obi-Wan. I don't know. I kind of disagree there. I kind of think that it flows naturally because Anakin's already set in his ways at like 10 years old and then also he's kind of also grows up in this belief that he is the chosen one and people treat him as that. And especially since he's accepted to be trained as a Jedi so late, Mm. they're going to talk about it around him. So he's going to be like, yeah, why can't I break the rules? And Obi-Wan's going to be like, no, 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 no. You got to keep dragging it back here. He's going to be like, dude, I'm going to do what I want. I'm the chosen one. And then if you watch the Clone Wars, which I recommend if you like Star Wars, because if you get past the slog of season one, it's amazing. Obi-Wan is like the reckless swashbuckler that it makes sense that he was trained by Qui-Gon because he kind of grows into that. And you see glimpses of it in Attack of the Clones, but it really comes to the fore in the Clone Wars where he is just like this dashing warrior gallivanting around the galaxy trying to like fight this war, like has all these witty one-liners and comebacks and does like a lot of stuff that is definitely rule breaking even within the context of war so it makes sense like in that context looking at the lineage of like Qui-Gon Jinn to Obi-Wan to Anakin and then Anakin to Ahsoka who also like breaks the rules and has a rebellious streak um and I don't know I just think of it like 
like sorority families like it's the same thing you kind of like end up with girls in the same traits in the same family and it's like the same thing with jedi training lineages i think sure i will pretend that i understand that (laughs) this makes sense to me okay i mean i'm sure that it makes sense i have no doubt that it makes sense but you brought up sororities i'm like i don't know how those function (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i was was not i knew people in sororities i was not anywhere near understanding them though Okay, so if you're in a sorority or fraternity, you're like subdivided into like families within that organization and like mafia families. Yeah, and you have like a big sister or big brother who like chooses you to be in their family and it's like Silicon Valley hiring practices. People want to work with people who are like them. So you end up getting people with the same traits in the same families and I think it's the same thing with the Jedi. Like you're as a Jedi master, as a Jedi or a Jedi Knight wanting to become a Jedi master, you're picking your Padawan. So you're going to, in general, pick a Padawan that you see some of yourself in. So your lineage of Jedi training is going to have similar characteristics going down that line. So two thoughts. I mean, one, that kind of makes sense because Count Dooku was Qui-Gon's master and Dooku eventually breaks away from the Jedi code. And Qui-Gon was the master that should have been on the council, but because he was so, uh, zazzy, we'll say, he wasn't. And then, like, Obi-Wan's kind of, like, both in and out there, but they're like, oh, we'll let it pass because there's a war. And then there's Anakin, the chosen one, who is the ultimate rule breaker uh, slash uh, major murder guy. And then he trains Ahsoka, who, spoilers for the Clone Wars, I'm sorry, for the people who didn't see it but it's like 10 years old at this point um she leaves the jedi order because she finds out about some weird crap that they're doing and like runs off to hide in space for a while before spoilers resurfacing in star wars rebels which is currently airing yeah also second thing this is just this has nothing to do with star wars but I don't understand why there isn't a mafia movie about sororities now if it's all about <laughs> these families type thing that would be awesome. I mean, maybe throw some lightsabers in there. Make it Star Wars. I'm all about it. <laughs> Somewhere there's a porn director listening to you and writing down thoughts for his next blockbuster. I really hope not. That would be super <laughs> creepy. <laughs> maybe I should put the blockers back up on my Twitter. <laughs> Where were we? Jedi. Uh, yeah, so in this comic, like you said, they're the Jedi... Bantu, and they are clearly more warriors than the warrior monk thing that we end up getting in the movies. I kind of saw them as like bite cops. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely more like overtly warlike in this like more original rough version of what eventually became Star Wars. And it like kind of works, but it also is just so generic. It you know, I'm I keep going back to what you said earlier about this being kind of like every movie that tried to be Star Wars but failed miserably for various reasons. This like this original Jedi concept feels like one of those things. Like there's just not that thing that's gonna set it apart from everything else that's on the market. No, I agree I agree hundred percent with that. Especially since like the cause the Jedi uh, they're like extinct at this point and it's clear that they were warriors and they were more like they were kind of like the the Ojimbo to um Adamio in feudal Japan they were warriors they were there to protect and to go kill his enemies whereas 
what they eventually end up being, at least in the prequels, is they're kind of like space cops, except that they don't always pull out their lightsabers, supposedly. Yeah, like, yeah, it's like almost to the Green Lantern core concept, but more religious, depending on, I guess, which film you're watching. Buddhist Green Lantern. (laughs) Green Lantern's with Jesus. And... It's, uh, I think it's definitely more Buddhist than Jesus. Just, <laughs> no, I know you're right. I just, I just, <laughs> I just thought it would be funnier sounding if I put with Jesus at the end. Aww. Oh, um, <laughs> and it's, it's just different. I don't know. The warrior thing is is just generic. But you did see that in the Clone Wars. They, you know what? They did mention clones in this comic. Yeah, that was like an it was like a one line thing. They mentioned clones as being, I think, part of the economy of Aquile. Yeah. And that was like the one mention of it. And it kind of. It it just shows how you can be so close to something working. And obviously we have 40 years of retrospect to work with here. But that one line mention of clones was like it was like oh like a minute of okay interesting and there was that one line about clones in a new hope where leia goes general kenobi years ago you served my father in the clone wars but i feel like the clone wars as a concept is way more world building than oh clones are a part of the equivalent economy yeah i i think it's really interesting to see that like how how many things that he originally came up with and how they evolved but also how many things he kept because like um i don't know i don't know have you seen have you watched any of the the films with the commentary or watched the behind the scenes oh not in like a decade so please enlighten me okay well george lucas said that originally um he envisioned all, all six of them as one movie and that he was like, oh, the Clone Wars were a thing that I had written down and all this kinds of stuff. He's like, but there was no way I could have done something on that grand a scale at the time that we did it. And that's why I did A New Hope. And he's like, and it's also it's the generic hero story and all that. So there were many reasons, but that he had all these ideas. And it's so cool to see because clearly when he wrote the prequels, when he actually sat down and made them into their scripts, that they were still evolving. But it's really cool for me at least, to see even in the rough draft what stayed, what changed, what was similar and all that. And it was like, I don't know. I thought it was just really cool to see all the things that were there at the beginning, you know? (laughs) Well, I was shocked that basically all of the names were unchanged. Like, okay, they respelled Anakin, but like, except for that one random dude... Um, whose name I keep forgetting, uh, who is like the third blonde guy to run around with the Jedi. Is that Valorum? Um, no, not Valorum. Um, the other dude, the dude, this, this dude right here, Whitson. Oh. Yeah. Whitson is the dude who is the dude that Anakin Starkiller is like, I love her. And what son's like, why are you telling me this? This is not my problem. But even, yeah, ex- even he comes back around because his first name is Kleeg. Kleeg Whitson became Kleeg Lars in episode two. 
Is that what his first name is? I missed yep. that. He says he says Clegg Lars. Blah blah blah. Oh, oh. everything is connected. Low rent, not Chris Pratt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, no, yeah, not okay. Owen. Owen's dead. <laughs> anyway, so Whitson is like the one name is like a main. Calm down. <laughs> Keep it together. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, so Whitson is like the one character who's a prominent character in this original draft that we like don't see in any of the Star Wars um, films, at least yet. Um, I actually turned to the page where he's meeting with this dude in a bar whose first name is Bale. And I'm like, not Bale Organa. It's like some kind of traitor dude. And he's like, no, it's, it's not Bale Organa. He's like swapped. That's his name. His, his name is not Bail Organa. I thought his now, first name was Bail. No, no. I'm, but I, his name is Bail, but I'm just going to refer to him as not Bail Organa. Not Bail Organa. That's his name. Um, just like how I, Joel Edgerton is now going to be not Chris Pratt. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Joel. It's it's just that's what you look like to me in my point of life. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um. Now that we've established that there is sexy George Lucas and Low <laughs> Rent, you know, it's just, Lord I get by this. Pratt. I'm sorry. I, I, there's a lot going on in this book. It gives me a lot of opinions. I'm just trying to find visual references for people because we're discussing a visual medium and not a visual medium. Someone's going to get this book and just be like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> I'm so sorry, everyone. We really just wanted an excuse to talk to you about Star Wars, like a lot. Actually, I wasn't even, you guys weren't even involved. I really just wanted to talk to Kara about Star Wars, and this is my excuse. Just needed a public forum so we could discuss this. Please tweet at us with your responses. (laughs) For real, though, I will take all of them. Even if they're to, to bash me about refusing to watch Rogue One, I'll take it all. Bring it. Renee, what's your Twitter handle so people can join this conversation with us? Rodriguer29. And if you would like to see all of my problems with The Last Jedi or all of the (laughs) new Star Wars movies, there's a link in my blog somewhere on my Twitter that leads to that link. And you know what? Comment on it. I would love to fight with you. For real. (laughs) I'm at Karazam on Twitter. That's K-A-R-A-S-Z-A-M. And I recently had a very long Twitter spiel about why Vader is the chosen one because he murdered everybody. And that was the prophecy. And uh, and I blog about Riverdale weekly. And I usually post about that on my Twitter. And the link to my Medium account is on my Twitter also. Talk to us about Star Wars. It is our favorite. Yeah, I 100% agreed with your Vader thing, by the way. I was Thank like, you. yes. Thank you, right? He murdered everyone, and that brought balance to the Force. 100%. I was like, yes, 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 yes. Have you seen (laughs) this whole thing that people are like, oh, the Chosen One is going to be reincarnated? I was like, that's stupid. If they do that, that, that's dumb. dumb. See, that is a Jesus moment waiting to happen. That's an Avatar thing. That's the last last airbender thing. Which is also a Jesus moment. (laughs) Well, except that Jesus is only coming back twice. Only twice. You... <laughs> you mean just like a constant reincarnation thing? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jesus has only come back twice so far. He's only come back once. 
maybe it's all the same religion. He's coming maybe back. He's... he's coming back. He's coming back with a baseball bat. That's a real. <laughs> that's a real song, by the way. I used to listen to it as a kid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I think we're past Star Wars. I think we need to wrap it up. <laughs> Got okay. Way past it. Okay. Uh, thank you all for joining us on this magical journey to a galaxy far, far away that might have been. Uh, be sure to tune into the I Read Comic Books podcast regularly so you can enjoy more conversations like this one. Although hopefully with more structure. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>